Hey folks, JR, back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. It's going to be episode 55, Roped Off. Okay, let's get into some of this crime scene stuff. Memphis Police Department, Criminal Investigation Division, January 13, 1983. Mr. C.L. Moore, Command Captain, Crime Scene Squad, Memphis Police Department, regarding homicide of police officer, victim Robert S. Hester, location 2239 Shannon. They've actually got it identified as 23. I guess they were in a hurry. The R&I number, report number, is 8301132672. Sirs, I received a call on above date at 0412 hours to meet the officers at 2239 Shannon regarding a hostage situation. Also, car 2330, officers C.A. Russell and R.R. Clinney were dispatched to the same location. For my arrival, I was met by car 2300, Captain C.L. Moore. Car 2302, Lieutenant B.G. Wright and the following officers. Violent Crimes Investigators, Lieutenant Rick Wilson, Detective Larry Hunt, Sergeant F.J. Wheeler, Sergeant John Garner, and Sergeant J.M. King. Security Squad Officers, Inspector S.O. Jackson, Captain T.C. Hastings, Sergeant J.L. Collier, Sergeant D.W. Cooper, Sergeant D.R. Holly, Sergeant T.N. Landers, Sergeant J. Hammonds, and Sergeant B.O. Wheeler. Criminal Intelligence, Sergeant Frank Hester, Sergeant D.T. Jones, and several uniformed officers. I observed that the crime scene area had been roped off. The investigation revealed that a hostage situation had occurred at this location involving Patrolman Robert S. Hester, who worked out of the North Precinct C-Shift, being held hostage at Again, they've got the address incorrect. At 2339 Shannon, since the evening of January 12th. Obviously, that's incorrect, too. should be January 11th, 1983. On this date, an assault on the house at 2339 Shannon had been conducted by the MPD TAC unit. Officer Hester had been found dead inside the front door to the house, and his body had been removed from the scene prior to our arrival. We began our investigation by photographing the scene in color and preparing crime scene diagrams. The photographs were taken by Sergeant R.R. Clinney. Crime scene diagrams were prepared by Sergeant C.A. Russell, and the writer, Patrolman T.H. Harrison, gathered information for this report. The outside areas around the structure, an asbestos shingle, single-story dwelling, were investigated prior to entering the house. In the front yard, we discovered a 223 cartridge casing, 
lane on the driveway which runs north to south along the west side of the house, better known as 2339 Shannon. The casing was just south of the south curb line of Shannon Street. A 223 cartridge was found near an oak tree on the west side of the front yard. One cassette tape was found on the front porch. One MPD police handy talkie, serial number 49-A, number November 35058, was laying on the ground near the northeast corner of the front porch. There were numerous blood spots on the front porch. 538 caliber cartridges were found scattered near the northeast corner of the porch and on the ground at this location. In the driveway, which runs east of 2239 Shannon and serves the residents at 2243 Shannon, a 1970 black Ford van Tennessee drive-out tag number, Quebec 0860555 Foxtrot. VIN number, Foxtrot 156 Hotel, Tango 8, and that looks like an Alpha 570, were parked headed south. Both rear tires and the left front tire on the van were flat. There were five bullet holes to the right front of the van above the door near the windshield. Just south of the van was a 1971 Blue Dodge, Tennessee drive-out number Quebec 0860-55 Foxtrot, VIN number Whiskey Hotel 2361, Golf 234773. This vehicle was also parked in the driveway headed south. Parked in front of 2239 Shannon was a 1973 Buick Black Over Maroon, 1983 Tennessee. License number Bravo November Victor 520. VIN number 4357 Tango. Three hotel. The two left tires of the Buick were flat. I observed at this time the two double windows on both sides of the front door to 2339 Shannon were shattered. By the way, folks, on the, the vehicles parked around the house that have flat tires, those were flattened probably by the tack unit. That's to keep the suspects for making a breakout and getting to a vehicle. Hopefully that would uh, slow down their escape attempt if they did get to one of the vehicles. On the east side of 2239 Shannon, under the shattered window near the northeast corner of the house, there was a $1 bill folded double laying on the ground. In the same vicinity, there were four double-op book shotgun shell casings laying on the ground. The door leading under the foundation of the house was standing open. The window nearest the southeast corner of the house was shattered, and six 12-gauge double-op book shotgun shell casings 
were found scattered on the ground near the window. Now, folks, those shotgun shell casings, that's when the TAC officers that were outside were firing the ferret rounds through the windows. The ferret rounds, remember, were contained uh, CS gas. On the west wall of 2243 Shannon, which is east of 2239 Shannon, a bullet fragment and jacket fragment were discovered embedded in the wall. The lead bullet fragment was four foot up from the ground and one inch north of the rear or south side of the house. The jacket fragment was 3.7 feet up from the ground and five inches north of the rear or south side of the house at 2243 Shannon. A .223 caliber cartridge casing was found on the ground near the southwest corner of the house at 2243 Shannon. On the west side of the house, there are numerous tear gas canisters laying on the driveway which runs along the full length of the house. Scattered along the driveway from the front to the rear of the house were 10 double-op buck, 12-gauge shotgun shell casings. One black nightstick with leather strap attached were found 110 feet west of the west edge of the driveway at 2239 Shannon, laying in the street along the south curb line of Shannon Street. Next door at 2237 Shannon, a lead bullet fragment was discovered laying on the windowsill on the east side of the house, just inside the broken window pane, which had been shattered by the bullet. This window is the second window south of the front of the house. Adjacent to the west side of the house at 2239 Shannon, parked headed north, was a 1974 Lincoln, gray in color, with no license plate. Behind the Lincoln at the west edge of the driveway were four double-op buck, 12-gauge shotgun shell casings. In the backyard at 2239, we found two 12-gauge double-op buck shotgun shell casings. Eight 223 cartridge casings were found near the rear entrance to 2239 Shannon. One pair of eyeglasses were found just outside this rear door, which was standing partially open. I observed another pair of eyeglasses just inside the residence. Both windows on the rear of the house were shattered. At this point, I approached, I was approached by Officer H.J. Toussaint, actually that's Lieutenant H.J. Toussaint, car 8801, who turned over to me one thirty-eight caliber cartridge and five thirty-eight caliber cartridge casings to be tagged as evidence. I'm sure that uh, raised some eyebrows. See, folks, on a crime scene, you don't pick up stuff and go find the crime scene guy and hand it to him. You leave it where it is then the evidence is photographed, and then it's collected. Now, the rule of thumb when I came on in 1990 was if you touch it, you own it, which means 
you've got to go tag it and explain why you decided to pick up items at a crime scene. Now, I believe those cartridge casings and the one cartridge, that would have been the ones that Aiken discarded from his pistol the first time he went to reload. If you remember, he went out the back door, emptied his pistol and reloaded. And there were five spent casings and one live round. In the living room of the house, laying on the carpet, we found an MPD uniform shirt pocket, flap bearing a gold AFL-CIO MPD stick pen. A gold wristwatch was laying on the floor in two pieces. Also, a North Precinct emblem and an MPD stick pen were on the floor at this location. The inside of the front door was very bloody, as was the carpet in the vicinity of the front door. On a round table covered with blood and suspended from the ceiling, there was an MPD nameplate with the name Robert S. Hester. On the same table, there was a five-cell metal kale light, which was bloody. Just west of the table on the floor, there was a three-cell kale light, serial number 369570. A brown princess-type telephone was laying on the living room chair with the receiver off the hook. A black leather MPD jacket was laying on a love seat along the north wall of the living room. This leather jacket was extremely bloody. An MPD handy talkie radio serial number number 41 with the battery cover and antenna missing was laying on the living room floor near the northeast corner of the room. This radio was bloody. Some of the items of evidence previously described and other items unknown to me were confiscated by other officers for toxicology purposes. In the front of the fireplace under a blanket were two MPD radio batteries. These items contain blood stains. Located along the east living room wall partition, south of the fireplace, there, were, there was a black wallet with the identification of David Jordan and Jacqueline D. Jordan. A set of keys were found near the wallet. Also, a 223 cartridge casing was found on the floor in this room. And folks, remember the 223 cartridges that were the rounds being fired by the TAC unit out of their M16 rifles. In the bedroom east of the living room, in the northeast corner of the house, we found one leather MPD handy talkie carrying case along the west wall partition. There was a king-size bed along the north wall with the mattress partially in the floor. At the foot of the bed, we found a bloody partial package of Vantage brand cigarettes. Next to the cigarettes was a small pocket-type notepad, a silver writing pen, and a clear plastic template. 
Along the east wall was an MPD radio antenna and a silver writing pen. In front of a dresser along the south wall partition, there were two 38 caliber cartridge casings laying on the floor. There was one 38 caliber cartridge casing laying on the dresser. Bullet holes were observed in the northwest corner of the bedroom, four foot up from the floor. Folks, on the uh, when they're talking about the cartridge casings, or they'll say cartridges, if it says cartridge, that means it's a live round. That means the bullet's still in the shell casing. If they talk about a cartridge casing, that means the, the round has been fired. In the kitchen, we collected nine two twenty three caliber cartridge casings laying on the floor. In the room south of the kitchen, apparently used as a den, we found two 12-gauge double-op buck shotgun shell casings laying on the floor and one key ring with four keys laying on the floor near the doorway to the kitchen. Behind a television set in the northeast corner of this room, there were 18 .223 caliber cartridge casings. In the portion of the den that extends across the rear of the house, we found a brown wallet which contained the identification of Jackie Young. Three .223 caliber cartridge casings were also found on the floor of this room. There were two bullet holes in a mirror on the east wall. In the bedroom immediately south of the living room, there was a king-size bed in the northeast corner of the room. In the portion of the room near the southeast corner and along the east wall partition, there were the bodies of six male blacks. Male black number one body was resting against the south wall partition. His feet were towards the east wall partition, and his head was extended to the west. He was clad in blue jeans, an orange and blue insulated jacket, beige undershirt, and brown socks. He was clutching a silver box opener razor in his left hand. He was lying on his back. Male black number two, head was extended east, and his feet were extended west. He was clad in a blue jacket, white shirt, blue jeans, brown belt, and tennis shoes. Male black number three, Head was extended west, feet extended east. He was clad in a black jacket, blue jeans, brown crepe sole shoes. When this mailback's body was moved, a thirty-eight caliber Smith & Wesson Blue Steel six-shot revolver with oversized wood grips, serial number Delta 470679, was found underneath his body. This weapon was bloody and was checked by Officer C.A. Russell and found to contain three thirty-eight caliber cartridges and three empty chambers. Male black number four's head was extended east, feet extended west. He was clad in a brown jacket, blue jeans, blue shirt, and black tennis shoes with white soles. Male black number five's head was extended west and his feet extended east. He was clad in black jeans, 
a gray, orange, and white multicolored sweater shirt, large blue belt, and blue socks. Male black number six, head was extended east and feet extended west. His body was wrapped in a brown sleeping bag. After the bodies were removed from the room, six thirty-eight caliber cartridge casings and seven two twenty-three caliber cartridge casings were found on the floor of the room. In the rear bedroom is the southwest corner of the house. In the southwest corner of the house, there was a round a canopy laying on the south edge of the bed was a thirty-eight caliber Smith & Wesson Blue Steel six-shot revolver. Blue Steel with oversized wood grips, serial number Delta 647991. The hammer of this weapon was in the cocked position. This weapon was checked by Officer C.A. Russell and found to contain two thirty-eight caliber cartridge casings and four empty chambers. On the floor between the south edge of the bed and the south wall of the house, a seventh male black's body was found. This male black was lying on his back with his feet extended east and his head extended west. He was clad in white and blue socks, blue jeans, a brown shirt with red writing, and a white jersey-type jacket. A one-by-six board four foot in length, was laying on top of his chest. The two revolvers were recovered from the scene and the MPD radios were processed for latent prints by the undersigned with negative results. For detailed information on the location of the evidence, see the attached crime scene diagrams. The photographs which were taken in color will be forwarded to the photo lab. All evidence collected by the undersigned was taken to the property room and left in the custody of the property room clerk under property receipt numbers 83-13180 through 13185. The follow-up investigation at the morgue is to be conducted by the crime scene day shift. And this is signed by T.H. Harrison. Copies went to crime scene and security squad. All right, folks, what we've got here, this is the, the roughed sketch, the diagram crime scene did of the living room with all their measurements on it. Later on, of course, they're going to convert this rough draft here, and they're going to make it look all pretty, which you've seen some of those if if you've watched some of the episodes, and we're going to go over them again, the the really nice drawing that comes out later. Crime scene drawing of the Northwest bedroom that we've seen several, several times. See where he's got the the little markings for the two two three rounds, pistol box cutter. Southwest bedroom. See the measurements they've got for the actual room itself. They even show him the little one by six board that was laying across Houston's body. Den and meeting room. Remember those little lines are the represent the two twenty three casings fired by the TAC unit. Diagram of the kitchen. 
showing the number of 223 casings that were laying on the floor. Northeast bedroom, uh, the bottom part of the uh, of the diagram, that would be the north side of the house, side out towards Shannon Street. Now you have the diagram. This is of the entire house, as you can see. That is a bunch of little dots and dashes and little stick figures. East side of the house, see the little markings for the double-op buckshot ferret rounds that are laying along the driveway and the folded dollar bill. Suspect vehicles that were parked near the house. Diagram of the front yard. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode. We episode's a little longer than I want it to be, but there's no other way to really do it. I didn't want to break it up into two pieces. We'll be delving into some more crime scene stuff here in a few days. We'll be getting the investigators point of view as they go through and do their scene supplements folks i appreciate you glad you were able to tune in and as always i'll see you down the road